so much for having us this morning. I told them, I said, I'm going to be difficult. I'm old school. It's like I don't understand all of the talking in the thing in the box and stuff. So um, I, I appreciate you accommodating my old schoolness here. So thank you so much for all the support and the fellowship that you have given Life Challenge over the years. And how many of you are familiar with Life Challenge or Teen Challenge? That's getting good. I'm a big foundation person, and I like to know why something was started, why, why it started, why it began. And if I'm going to be a part of something, I need to understand what the vision and the mission were. And I never get tired of, of revisiting this foundation of this ministry. There was a gentleman who was a pastor um, in upstate New York, and, uh, you know, nice suburban area. And um, he kept watching TV. And during this period of time, about 50, 60 years ago, in New York City, it was overran with gangs, um, gangs of teenagers. And it was constantly in the news where you would see what was going on. And God started tugging at this man's heart and kept, you know, you need to go there. Well, oftentimes, many of us look at our own education, our own skills, our own abilities, and our own experiences when God calls us. And he could have easily said, well, God, I don't know anything about that kind of life. I've never, you know, never been there. Why would you call me? Why would you want somebody from here to go to New York City where I don't know people? I don't, he could easily have done that, but God kept prompting his heart. No, I need you to go. I need you to go. And that man went ahead and took that step of faith, not knowing what he was going to get into, not having anything in common with who he was going to go and see. So he didn't know a lot about that, but the one thing that he knew is he knew God. He knew his God. He knew his Savior. He knew what a life in Jesus Christ could do. So life challenge was birthed out of faith and a belief that if whatever your problem is, whatever the pain is, whatever you're going through, that if we could provide a sanctuary, a safe place for people to come, to feel loved, to feel welcome, and if we gave them the opportunity to help them connect with Jesus Christ, that healing would take place, that healing and wholeness could take place, that education can't give you, secular programs can't give you, but we know that if we can give people that place of refuge, if we could bring you in, if we could connect you to Christ, that healing and change would take place. And that's what Life Challenge is today. It is a safe place. It is a refuge. And we welcome anyone with any hurt, any problem, any issue to come. And we're going to love you. And we're going to help you find the one who has the answers. We don't have to have the answers. People ask me all the time, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. But I know the one who does know. And that's what we're going to do is connect you to Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. So I'm going to have a couple of my friends, if you don't mind, kind of share their experience of what it was like when they first came to Life Challenge. And let me tell you, this is not an easy decision for anyone to make. This is not an easy decision for a man to commit to this. Because we're asking you to leave everything behind. We're asking you to leave behind your career, sometimes relationships that you might have had for years, and we're asking you to do this and to trust God in some very uncomfortable situations. So this is not easy. I have the utmost respect for the men that sit here, the utmost respect for their commitment to Christ, their commitment to change. When they could easily walk out the door and go make a living and do something different, they are staying here. Even though their emotions sometimes tell them to run <laughs> and to go, 
they're staying committed, and I have the utmost respect for these gentlemen here. So I'm just going to have Glenn talk a little bit about um, what, what, what were some of your first thoughts, like prior to coming, what were some of the feelings and the things that you had before you walked in our door? How tough was that for you to make that decision? Um, well, um, it's kind of interesting. Um, I, I, was, I was pretty much ready to try something new. Um, I, was, I was pretty gone. Um, you know, I was trying to find a rehab, um, like a long-term, and um, a buddy put me onto this uh, Bible-based, which well, I was quite surprised when I got here. Um, but thank God, you know. Um, I've been able to just learn so much um, just about myself and how wrong I was going about my life, you know. Um, I was, at the time when I came in, I, you know, my, my liver gave out. Um, I was drinking and using, you know, um, all types of different drugs. So um, it, was, it was about time to try out a rehab, so. Are you willing to give us a try? Most definitely. <laughs> the interesting thing with Glenn, too, is um, it's, it's not easy to have yourself challenged all the time. You know, we grow up with certain ideas and things that we think and things that we think are right and wrong, but when Glenn would be challenged with the truth, his humility was something that I really admire. He would always go back and think about it, and he would um, humble himself and be willing to change. Glenn is now, how many months are you with us? Uh, seven. Seven. So Glenn has now been with us for seven months, and he graciously has taken over our dining experience. So if you ever want to come and join us for, for meals, Glenn's the guy. <laughs> so how has your life changed since you've come? Um, I would say it changed a lot, you know, um, been able to like actually sit back and um, kind of figure out what I want to do with my life, uh, you know, calling a purpose, um, just, you know, like actually find something that, you know, I can do that is going to like make me a productive person in life instead of just kind of going to that nine to five, just day in, day out, so, um, just, just hope, you know, looking to the future, so. I like that. Hope in a future. I like that hope in a future. I just, I appreciate you, um, you know, being a part of this with us and being with us in this journey and that you trusting us to, to lead you to Christ. And I just appreciate you and have respect for you. This is Joseph. Now, he's one of my people who's going to be graduating next month. <clears throat> So when we talk about somebody who had a struggle coming through the door, <laughs> Joseph, Joseph is kind of the picture of someone who every week, can I go, can I go, can I go kind of situation because, like I said, it's not easy. It's not easy. So um, Joseph, tell him where you come from because you don't even, he's not even from the state of Michigan. So this is really an extreme change for him. Um, I was living in Indiana, but I moved to Florida and I came from Florida to Flint. So tell a little bit about your, your back story, about what was going on before you came. Okay, um, I had gotten some legal trouble in uh, Indiana, and I was in jail for like two months. I had stopped taking my medication because I, uh, I have like a psych psychological thing I go through with like schizophrenia sometimes, 
when I was in the uh, military. But um, I was off my medication for a little while, and then I was in jail for like two months. And they said that part of the agreement was that I had to go to a rehab, so they sent me to Florida to a rehab. Um, I passed the rehab. I graduated from it and stuff, but I relapsed. And um, even though I was taking uh, drug tests, I was still using marijuana and harder drugs and stuff like that. So they said that in order for me to stay out of more trouble, that I would have to go somewhere. So they suggested uh, um, Life Challenge. And they said it was a year program. And I said, I don't know if I'll be able to do that. <laughs> That, that was very honest. <laughs> but I decided, like, after a while, I decided I better do what's best for me, so I said that I would do it. I love this. <laughs> but but he kind of skated over one thing, and uh, it's when he talked about his mental health diagnosis. I have double respect for this, because not only does he fight on the front of dealing with addiction, he fights on the front of having mental health diagnosis. Um, we deal with this a lot now, and we're seeing it more and more, that we have more mental health issues that are coming. And it is just amazing to watch his dedication and his commitment to stay, to continue, and to keep growing in Christ. And I just have, I really have so much respect for you for doing that. So you want to tell them a little bit about your plans after graduation, some of the cool stuff? Okay, um, I'm going back to Florida. I'm going to be working at the VA uh, hospital for veterans, probably um, gonna find a church home or something and get involved in a program. Thank you, thank you so much. So we have, a, um, after somebody graduates, we have another thing, Mike, if you can come on up. Um, we have another opportunity um, for people, and I just wanted Mike to talk a little bit about um, the next level, or internship, if you will. Yeah, can you tell them about the opportunity for internship, please? So my name is Michael. Um, I graduated a restoration back in December. Um, and the internship is, is a wonderful opportunity for guys like me because we can come alongside these guys that come in and share our experiences, share what we've been through, and not only share what God's done for us, we also get to witness what God's changing in their lives as they come in. Because when we first come in, we're a hot mess. I mean, we are. We're a hot mess. We come in sometimes with hair out to here, beards down to here, and just, you know, and to watch God change these guys' lives from where they came in to where they're now is just totally awesome, you know, and I love it. Um, we have good days. We have bad days, you know, as an intern. I'm being molded in a process and a purpose each and every day. Um, these guys, these guys are my heart. I love these guys to death. Um, we have a table out here with information about the program. I encourage any one of you, if you guys know anyone that needs help, that are struggling in addiction, that are struggling in pornography, gambling, anything that's getting them off the, the, the path of Christ, get the information so you can give them to them. And they can get online and fill out an app, and we can, we can get them some help. This opportunity that we have for guys is awesome. Um, to see the lives changed and where they're at and where they're going is truly a blessing. It has been for me. 
because I was once sitting in that chair, and like I tell him, just because I'm an intern and I've graduated doesn't make me any different because I'm still in the program with him, and I'm still a resident. That's how I feel. Thank you for letting me share. And I want to I recognize um, Pastor Jeff Bonsler. <laughs> Pastor Jeff has, uh, <laughs> how long have you been in this ministry? 35 years. 35 years of commitment to this type of ministry. And I have to tell you something, this, this is not for the faint at heart. This type of ministry takes a special kind of person, a special type of compassion and mercy. And I just look up to you and your leadership, and you just set the tone for all of us to keep going and to stay focused, and most importantly, to trust Christ. So please welcome Amen. Pastor Jeff Bonsler. Well, thank you, Chaplain Lori. Today I come to you grateful, and I come to you encouraged. First of all, I'm grateful that I get to do what I do, just being amidst uh, you men, uh, hearing your stories, just seeing you worship Jesus, it never gets old. 35 years later, man, seeing guys on the hunt for Jesus and to see what God can do in people who say, I can't, I can't do this thing called life on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not networked enough. I need help. And I get to be around these men um, weekly. We've got a campus in Detroit where we have men. We've also got a campus for women. And as Mike has shared with you, we want to partner with you. And I know we have been since 2015. It's been a joy. Um, but please get the word out. And how many of you know that programs, you know, the 30-day programs are great the weekly meetings are important, but lots of folk need to get away for a while. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, you didn't get in Dodge overnight. You don't get out of Dodge overnight. It takes time. And so we offer a longer-term solution that's Christ-based, that's gospel-rooted. And uh, again, thank you for joining with us. So I'm grateful. Do I need to use another mic? I'm hearing a ring. Or are we good? Okay. Should I try this? Okay. Um, and the other thing is, I'm just so encouraged. I'm thinking, man, a big little church right here. This is a big little church doing mighty things for God. You know, I'm a father of four, and just seeing two brothers up here, minus their brother who just graduated, that does me good. Seeing brothers, you know, that you guys do like each other. I love that, man. <laughs> and uh, I want you to know that, you know, Pastor Ernesto would not say this, but Wheaton Grad School is like an Ivy League school amongst evangelicals. It's a top-notch school. It's not a cash cow, okay? You have to be smart to get in. You have to be smart to get out. And... Um, my hat's off to Pastor Ernesto to pull that off with kids and a church and everything else he does. So just for the record, that's a big deal. And um, I am very, very uh, encouraged. Well, I want to teach you 
if I can, the three-step waltz, okay? Now, here's a caveat. I had to drop out of band camp because I couldn't march and play drums at the same time. I am Mr. Klutz, okay? I've been on the dance floor a couple of times, much to the chagrin of my wife, at a wedding reception, my last one, and I was just bouncing up and down like popcorn. I was just happy, okay? My son had just gotten married, okay? But my wife just kind of went in the shadows like, oh, my words, this old man cannot do anything. So that's my caveat, okay? So I'm not really a, a qualified teacher to teach any kind of dance, but this is the three-step waltz. Now, if you know anything about music, if you know anything about waltzes, one, two, three, one, two. Can you say that? It's three, four time. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one. Okay. So the three-step waltz. And we're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3, 4, and 5. I'm actually going to just put this down. It's there. Many of you know the Beatitudes. They are the first part of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you have a red-letter edition, all but two verses are in red. I mean, every word of God is inspired. It's infallible. It's good. But man, when you get in the words in red, man, they're good, good. They're really, really good. Words of Jesus. And so right out of the gate, his big first public sermon, right out of the gate, he opens up and says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Father, in these next moments, I just pray that your word would spread rapidly. Lord, please bless your people here at Flint City Church, may they continue to do big things for you, Jesus. As they serve Flint and beyond, may they continue to be a blessing to you and to the people you have called them to serve. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have been in a 12-step program? Raise your hand. Okay. So you may be familiar, maybe it's been a while, but there's 12 steps. And those first three steps, man, those are important. So are the other steps, the other nine. And by the way, you never graduate from the steps. It's not like, oh, I got one licked and now I'm on to two. No, it's just kind of, you just go over and over and just do them over and over and over. The first step, we admitted what? That we were powerless. That our lives had become unmanageable. I can remember years ago, I was walking our Detroit campus with a fellow who had just gotten out of a correctional institution, a long history of addiction and incarceration. And as we're walking, he just muttered, man. I am sick. Now, as one whose spiritual gift 
is exhortation, my immediate first reaction is to say, oh, man, you got this. You can do it. Come on, man. It's not that bad. Jesus is with you. That's always my first instinct. And I believe the Spirit checked me. Just be quiet. Be quiet, Jeff. He needs to to talk some more. And he began to just bemoan his status, his condition, his finiteness, his fallibleness, his weakness. Guess what? That was good. And I looked at him and I said, yes, Dave, you're very sick. Not in condemnation, not, you know, as a statement of despair. Yeah, you're doomed. But he was finally centering on the reality of his powerlessness because nothing, friends, can get done without our recognition of that. And again, it's not a one and done. I've been in this for 50 years, so I'm almost 59. I embrace Jesus by his grace. When I was about eight or nine, and just, you know, over the years, just when I thought I'd come to the end of myself, anyone relate? Man, there's another end to myself. (laughs) There's another end. Man, you are a bum, Jeff, okay? (laughs) God continues to face me with my powerlessness. And, you know, in retrospect, I'm glad that, you know, it wasn't all in one dose because I probably would have imploded. So God in his kindness continues to reveal to us, does he not? Our powerlessness. We're not to run from that. We're not to despair in that, but to acknowledge it, to admit it. I'm sick. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Ha, <laughs> ha. That's the beginning of freedom. What's the next step? Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I've got no problem with that. So it's out of that brokenness, out of that weakness, We start looking outside of ourselves, do we not? That's the beginning that begins to just move us to look elsewhere, outward, upward. I can't do this thing. I need help. I can't fix myself. Man, I just fall so short as a husband or as a wife, whatever your role, as a son, a brother just as an employee, just as a human being. I'm just constantly missing the mark. I can't do this. No matter how sincere my faith, no matter how valiant my efforts at, you know, reading and going to seminars and worshiping the Lord, all good things. I can't do it. I need you, God. I need you. Help me. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who who just say, God, 
I'm done. I quit. I'm tired. I can't be the person that I need to be, that you've called me to be, that my people need me to be. And that brokenness leads to a true godly sorrow and mourning. One that moves to repentance. Am I still with you? You still with me? Step three. (sighs) Made a decision to what? Turn our will and our lives over to God as we understood him. So out of that acknowledgement, out of that place of contrition, we surrender. We turn over the keys. God, I'm tired of trying to run the show. I admit, can't do. But I'm coming to believe, however faintly, that you can do. Help me with my unbelief. But I'm starting to believe. And so we make this decision. God, I'm yours. Here I am. Here I am. Have your way in me. I've got a board member who not once but twice went to a dude ranch. Anyone know what a dude ranch is? Okay. Not the dude wipes from Shark Tank thing. Okay. Dude Ranch, out in Montana, where they tame wild horses. And he went with his two sons and his wife. And as I said, was so intrigued, went not once but twice to see these big beasts, these animals that can weigh a ton, that can do incredible wreckage, tame through these horse whispers. And you know, that's not just a science, it's an art. It's a dance. And he said, you know, it can get bloody just seeing that horse whisper attempt to, you know, in a non-threatening way, bring that beast to a place of tameness. There can be a bucking and a resisting, but through grace, through some, through some great grace, that animal can be brought under subjection. And he shared with me, he said, you know, the lifespan, and not only the lifespan, but the overall enjoyment of a wild horse is much shorter than that of a tamed horse. Wild horses don't live as long, and they're more miserable. Oh, there's a spiritual analogy there. But those that have been tamed, they live longer and they're happier. Blessed are the meek. Meek doesn't mean weak. It means yielded. You know, when you go through one of those intersections where there's that, you know, triangle, yield, what do you do? You slow down. And if somebody is there ahead of you, what do you do? You give them the right of way. That's meekness. That's what we do with God. God, you first now. You first. Blessed are the meek. So that's your three-step waltz. Can you remember that? One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. 
And it's a waltz that God calls us to live all our days. To never get over it. We admit it. We were powerless. I don't have it. Ain't got it. Ah, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves got to be because I can't, I can't do this. Ah, and so in that place of mourning and contrition, we begin to come to that place where step three, we make this decision, right? Not one and done, but it's a continual decision. God, I, I turn my life over to you. I don't know the ins and the outs. I don't know what's right sometimes and what's wrong sometimes. I don't know how to navigate through this. But Lord, I surrender to you. That place of brokenness, that place of meekness is the place of healing. And so that's what we endeavor to do personally. You know, that's what I'm endeavoring to do daily. Sometimes I do the waltz better than other days. Sometimes, man, I'm, you know, I'm dancing another dance. Anyone with me on there? But I'm trying to dance this, this waltz. And we're trying to pass it on to these mighty men that have lost their way, that have got a job to do, a mission to do, time to get to work. But man, before we can do that work, we got to get that rhythm down, that dance down. So it becomes one where we don't even have to think about it. You know what I'm saying? A any of you into the NBA playoffs? Any of you? Okay, all four of you, all right? You know that with the great athletes, they don't have to think about what they're going to do on the court. You know, Tom Brady, the GOAT didn't have to think about what he was going to do as a QB. Why? Because of all the drills, all the training, all the study of the tapes, it just became instinctual. It's not like, okay, they're in this formation, give me, one, give me three seconds, let me fix. No. It becomes instinctual. And this has got to become instinctual. It's got to become so, Micah, deeply ingrained, you don't have to even think about it can't do this, but I'm not doomed. I know there's someone who's got me, who's for me, and through him I can do all things, and so I'm going to just trust him again. Trust, trust, because our default is to rely on who? Ourselves. We're Babel builders. Read Genesis 11. We're Babel builders, constantly trying to pull it off. God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Let me be like Abraham in Genesis 12, where God says, I'll make you into a blessing. I'll make your name great. You don't have to try to make your name great. I'll do it. You just got to trust me. Leave, go, and rely on me. What do you say I pray? Can we do that? Stop by our booth, pick up some literature, and if for no other reason, so we can just pray with you, okay? Or you can pray with us, We'll take all the prayers. And again, thank you for your commitment to Christ, this city. Thank you for your partnership with our ministry. And uh, it's just good. And please, uh, brothers, let your brother know that I missed him, okay? Lord Jesus, I thank you for these good people that you have called by 
by their name for your glory. Jesus, Jesus, may we speak the name Jesus. May we obey the king. And may we go serve the city and seek the prosperity and well-being of our community. For the glory of Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen and amen.